Welcome to the 3D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Regular co-host Justin Lewis um, is off this week. Uh, he had some work obligations. Um, and so we've got a familiar voice that's joined us. Former 3D Podcast host, current Locked on Grizzlies host, Mark King. How are you doing this week, Mark? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. You're 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 one of a you're one of the best that I know when it comes to, the, to this type of stuff. And so it's it's always good to be able to talk with you. Uh, Mark uh, um, was kind enough to have me on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast earlier this week, and we wanted to return the favor. But um, this week, uh, the re- main reason why we got Mark on is just to talk about some current Grizzlies news, just kind of the latest that we've heard, and also get into um, some pretty interesting perspectives that Mark had from from how close he was to the Grizzlies this year and just, you know, through his eyes what he saw. But Mark, want to start off with, with the latest news, finally getting some insight um, on, you know, what the Grizzlies are focused on when it comes to a coach. Um, Alex Jensen and uh, Saronis, I believe it's Javonikas, I, I, I forget his last name. But a, a couple of different, a couple of different coaches, um, obviously from completely um, different backgrounds um, than than we're used to seeing the Grizzlies go after. But what's your general take from the, the Grizzlies' uh, first two um, um, coaching focuses on their search? I mean, you know, different different backgrounds from people, but ideally, you know, they had a lot of the same, uh, I guess, uh, theories and ideas and the way they. Uh, I guess uh, coach basketball, uh, if you will. Um, there, a lot of that kind of stuff is the same. So you can, you can get an idea of the type of you know coach that looks at least they're looking for, at least that from the outside looking in, the idea that, of what they're looking for. But you know, I think the biggest thing is just the fact that they're out there interviewing people. I mean, you know, they didn't do that last year. I think that was a mistake. I mean, even if you know JD was going to be in your guy, you, you still owe you know, it to your fans, you know it to the franchise to go out and. They interview all the best candidates just like you would do in any other job. And so I think that probably speaks more about what the Grizzlies are doing than anything else is the fact that just, they're out there. Uh, they're looking for good candidates, uh, probably candidates that people probably not uh, have uh, thrown out there or, you know, people have not talked about. Again, Alex Jensen, uh, I believe he was the uh, G League or D League coach of the year at one point. Um, and so Saranis is a highly regarded coach in EuroLeague. So, um, you know, just probably some names people put, don't know, uh, and that'll probably continue. Um, but again, the, the front office is doing their due diligence to make sure they go out and they um, look for all the best candidates. And I think that's the best thing you could say to that so far is that they're just they're trying to get the best fit. And again, a lot of these assistants um, or Euro coaches, I mean, you know, it's the same thing that with JBU. You really don't know how they're going to do. Uh, until they get into that role and so hopefully I'd like to see them interview some actual you know coaches that um, maybe have some head coaching experience experience maybe some retreads uh, some guys that have not worked out in different places I would like to see them at least go out and talk to those some of those guys and, and, and at least interview some of those people uh, to at least give them a chance again I don't know there's only so many assistant coaches you can promote I guess over a time time period before yeah, it just doesn't work. Again, we'll see. It. The coaches they interviewed so far are very different than the coach they have had or any coach they've had so far. So uh, we'll see. But again, the, I think that the, the biggest thing in all that is that just they're going out and, and, and having the interviews. 
And, and and you hit the nail on the head. You know, you know, with Chris Wallace and, and the previous regime, it was you know it, to to the death almost being committed to a brand. You know, no matter how still it got, which it was. Uh, but with this, there seems to be a common sense approach. Alex Jensen, his success with Rudy Gobert, a defensive minded big. That's the strength of our uh, franchise player now. Um, Saronis, he's a offensive minded um, European coach who helps modernize the offense in Europe about uh, spacing and ball movement. That's something that certainly Memphis has not seen in a while. There seems to be a logical, common-sense approach with the Grizzlies to where they've seen what other teams can do. They see how other teams have been successful. They want to bring that brand to Memphis. Do you feel that that, in general, is is a good indicator um, for people to see as they start to get to know the wexler Clayman regime? that they're going to go with common sense, go be proactive instead of reactive. And, you know, just use logic that we've all been asking for, for a while. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's fair to say that yet because we just don't know. Um, we don't know what that climate is going to do. We don't know if he's going to be good at his job. Like, he's never done it before. And so that's, that's the ultimate issue is that is, yeah, we'd like to, we'd like to hope that that's what they're going to do, but we just, we still don't know. I mean, we can't, I don't think we can sit here and face the fact that they have, you know, they've gone out and just interviewed people, which I think is a very like low bar to, to set for a franchise just, just to go out and like interview people for a coaching job. I think that's a very low bar to say that they're, they're on their way. I, again, I, I think they deserve a fair shake because everybody deserves a, a fair chance if they're new and, and if they're going to do the job and everybody should, should evaluate whatever they do with, with an open mind, try not to let the past regime taint what they think about this new front office. Um, and I think that's probably what a lot of people run into is that they had this mindset of Grizzlies uh, that has been for so long. Chris Wallace, this, 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 um, this just person that has just been back afterwards for so long, and they let that idea of the old front office creep into this idea of the new front office. I think they should be careful with that because – they they deserve a fair chance, just like everybody else does. But I also think that it's very it's way too early to tell what these guys can and or, or can and can't do and what they are going to do. Um, I like the idea of what they're doing. You know, I like the idea of going and interviewing people. But again, that's, that's a very low bar to set for these guys. So um, I think you know we'll hold off and and we will. They have a lot of decisions coming up very soon. Um, and I'm going to do a show on a lockdown Grizzlies next week. They have a they have a lot of decisions coming up throughout the summer that they have to make decisions on. Some of that is some some of those decisions will happen without them, with i.e. Jonas Valanciunas. But they have a lot of decisions coming up very soon, and we will know when the summer is over what type of front office this this franchise has in it. It'll be you'll be able to tell very quickly, especially if they go out and try to make a Mike Conley trade, uh, what they're able to get in return for for Mike Conley. So. Uh, we'll know soon, but again, I think it's probably so too early to giving them a stamp of approval because we just we don't know. Zach Klein has never done this job. Um, Jason Webster, for I mean, he's been in the business side of things, but he's never creeped into basketball at all. So uh, people should people should give them uh, you know a, a fresh look. But at the same time, um, we just you know it's been a month and they haven't really done anything besides made a few front office hires and literally just interviewed people. That's that's a very low bar to, to, to cover, just just to interview people. 
you know, you had mentioned the phrase a fair shake and it kind of kind of um, changing focus here. Um, one thing that I also, you know, an understanding you don't want to read too much into the first month of, 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 you know, them being on the job. But one thing it seems like, especially with the sources that have um, uh, relayed the information about the Grizzlies coaching search, is that it does seem like this, that like Wexler and Clayman, they may be taking the approach of the close to the vest, tight-lipped way of doing things. As a fan, you know, that's exciting to see. You know, you, we, we've seen it with trades. The ones you never hear about are the ones that get done. The ones you hear about for months don't. seems like the Grizzlies have, have lived in the media, you know, either with leaks or whatever it may be um, in time. But as a fan, it may be a breath of fresh air to see the tight-lipped approach, you know, not let, letting too much leak out there. But you, you've been there. You're, you're there with the media, you know, covering things with the Grizzlies. What do you think about that? If they're less accessible for information, does that have a negative spinoff on the media? Or is it just something that you deal with and, and you kind of expect when there's a, a changing of the guard in an organization? Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, you, you get new people in here and they especially with the problems that the Rizzers had this year with the, the, the Brooks Brooks thing, um, that, that whole deal, um, the leaking of information was, was more prevalent this year with the Rizzers than any, than any other year, I think. Um, but, you know, you're going to get that. You're going to get new, new regimes to come in and, and be, um, you know, extremely focused on not letting things get out, um, extremely focused on keeping the information what they have close to that. I'm sure they've interviewed other people that we just, we don't even know about. Um, and so, uh, I think time will alleviate that. You know, they will begin to trust people. They will begin to build relationships with people um, through the media, whether they um, just just over the years. And that's how these things work. You know, over the years, the media, you know, we cultivate relationships with different people in the front office that we, you know, that we see all the time. Uh, they're at games or whatever. And, you know, people other than me that are, you know, do this full-time job, you know, David Cobb and, and Chris Harrington, all the guys that are way better than I am. Um, they did the same thing. They, call, they they have relationships with these people for years, and so that you know that stuff will come. I mean, it it happens when they have a new, you know, changing of the front office. They they they, they get tight lipped and, and they want to make sure they keep all the information kind of close to the vest. But eventually, you know, those things will work themselves out. They will get comfortable with people. Um, they will begin. You know, they will they will not share everything. Like nobody does that, but they will share information. It'll it'll get out. Uh, you know, that won't happen probably till you know next season. You know, and, and you know. November, December, or something like that before, you know, that stuff starts to really come out, you know, for, for most, you know, most media members, but it'll happen. Uh, it always does. So Mark, speaking of um, the media, you know, with, 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 you know, you covering games and things like that, you have, you know, a, a, a bird's eye view of what's going on. And it's crazy when you think about this Grizzlies past season, just the ups and downs, just, you know, how much was involved in it? I mean, from a, in a 10 week period, from right before Thanksgiving to the trade deadline, the Grizzlies went from being at the top of the Western Conference to trading, you know, a franchise icon in Mark Gasol. Um, can, can you give us a little bit of perspective? You know, the, the month of January was filled with a bunch of stuff, you know, uh, negative occurrences in the locker room. Don't really want to get into specifics, but just how the locker room, you know, kind of was able to to, to um, make its way through the storm. What, what was there? Um, was there drama all the time? I mean, who were some folks that maybe held the locker room together during all that turbulence uh, that happened because of injuries and speculation and all that? Well, you know, first and foremost, like these, these guys are professionals. I mean, you know, even the young guys, they, 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 they've been doing this long enough through college. I mean, these guys are professional basketball players. They, they come in, they do their jobs, um, and, and they, they, 
they usually carry themselves in a way that, that, that professional basketball players, like that's what they are. And so you know, you're never going to see one in the locker room. You're never going to see any like, kind of break out or anything like that. That's, not, that's never going to happen. That doesn't happen. Um, you know, there, obviously there was a fight. There was a fight with Caspi and all sorts of stuff. I mean, here was just was, 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 was insane uh, the way everything went down. I mean, I remember being on shows at some point early in the year saying that the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies could keep up this pace winning like this so long as, you know, the offense and the defense held and then that fell apart and, you know, injuries. Uh, but, you know, you have to look at Mike Conley. You know, he's a guy that was has been there for so long and, and, and he's a guy that everybody respects. Everybody respects Mike Conley, you know, not only in the locker room, in the league. Um, you know, I think that uh, I think that they, they did not do him justice in the way they treated him this year uh, as far as the way they uh, went about the trade deadline. And, and I think that that was probably a mistake. There, I mean, there are a lot of there are a number of mistakes this front office made this year in the way they treated Mike, not only Mike Collin, but Mark Saul, other players. Um, but again, as far as the locker room goes, I mean, you know, that, that's kind of, kind of stuff you, you know, the losing takes a toll on guys, you know. And we saw this, we saw, I saw this last year, the same thing in the locker room. After, after so many losses, we go in and we ask these questions to, to you know, whether it's Garrett Temple or, um, you know, Jaren or, or whomever. Um, you go in there and ask these questions, and it almost feels like there are certain points this year where, you know, talking to other media members before you go in a locker room, like, I don't know what, I don't know what we're supposed to say. I don't know what we're supposed to ask, other than they're not very good at basketball. They lost another game by however many points, or JB Bickerstaff screwed up another out of timeout play. I don't know. You know, there are several points in this season where you go through and you just don't know what. You don't know what to do. You don't know, you know, and they don't know what to do. And you can tell, you can see it on their faces that, you know, losing takes a toll. I mean, it takes a toll on anybody. I thought last year when it was, you know, much worse. I thought this year where they lost a lot in a row. Um, it, it definitely takes a toll. Uh, but Mike Connolly is a guy that is always there. You know, he's always has been that kind of rock in that locker room for so long. And so, um, you know, he was only the one, you know, preaching, preaching the good word and, and trying to keep everybody motivated, trying to keep everybody his confidence is up again. It's difficult when you're losing that much, and you know, there, you know, you know why you're losing. You know the things that you should do, but you cannot, you can't correct them for some reason or another, and that's frustrating. It's frustrating as you know, for fans to watch, and just as much as as frustrating for fans to watch. Trust me and believe me, it's twice as frustrating for players to go through it. I mean, if you don't think that that's true, I mean, it's just, it's crazy that you know if they want to win worse than you want them to win, I promise. And so, you know, that's tough. Going through going through the seasons like that, that that's definitely tough. Um, it, frustration, you know, is always prevalent in those in those losing streaks. Um, you can always tell. Um, and just and it just, you know, a general air just kind of sucks. I mean it, it 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 sucks to lose. For those guys, for the fans, for everybody involved, for us to cover the team, we want to cover a team that wins. Uh, but you know, you go through ups and downs. Mike Collins is always there. Um, and so we'll see if that continues to up through, you know, through the next season. But for this season, yes, there was a crazy amount of ups and downs, but my colleagues were seemingly always there to hold together. And you had mentioned last year, and obviously this year, and there were times, you know, there was at one point where it felt like this year was going to be worse than last year, because last year we at least had something to play for, which was, you know, we were trying to lose a draft pick this year. We were playing to better our draft pick last year. But one thing that may have made the locker room better this year and at least more um, able to, to to bear, in my opinion, was Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, he seems like such a fun personality on the court. 
Um, when it comes to your interactions with him in the locker room and with the media, it seems like that the same way. It, it, it seems like he's a magnetic source of positivity. Did you see him become more of a locker room presence, especially as it became towards the end of the year, even with him not on the court, but with it clear that he's the future of the franchise? Was it as fun as it seemed to be? And did you see him take on more of a stronger locker room presence as the season went on? Well, I, 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 to say your point about to your, to your point about there not being much to play for, I, I said this all year long: is that there should always be a reward in the NBA. If you're bad, the reward is a high draft pick. If you're good, the reward is playoffs. There, in the Grizzlies were in this weird situation where there was really, really no reward. You're you're playing to give away a draft pick, but it, it just it just felt like nothing. And so, uh, only time will tell if that happens uh, as the lottery comes up, but. Um, as far as Jerry goes, I mean, Jerry, Jerry's a, he, he's a funny kid. He's he's fun to be around. Um, he, he takes a lot. He jokes around with media a lot. I mean, we saw that from like media days. I mean, it, it was immediate. I mean, the kid is uh, is energetic, is charismatic, you know, charismatic. I mean, um, just just a fun kid to be around. I mean, um, just like how you imagine how yourself as a nineteen year old kid. Well, now he's a nineteen year old kid in. One of the best jobs you can have playing, you know, playing basketball for a living. Um, but you know, as the year progressed, you know, he got hurt, and, and the way you know, we don't actually talk to them after after they get hurt. They don't have media availability, and so we we don't see them anymore. After if the years an injured player, they typically aren't in the locker room uh, pre or post game. They don't have media availability like normal players do. So, um, so it's hard to say whether you know what happened as as the year ended because he wasn't around because he was hurt um but uh you know throughout the year where we saw him i mean yes he i think he he is a is a kid that is is always jokes around and always and i'll kind of always i would say wants to be the center of attention but also understands what he has to do for this team i think that that is just a the funny kind of joking kind of you know young kid attitude that he has I, I, it's almost like a front to me because i know that it, it, he knows what has to be done what he has to do for this team what he has to step up and do for this team yes he puts on you know he jokes a lot and he's, and he's always funny and, and he's kind of messes around with the media but at the same time you know again some of like i said before some of the losses hit him really hard i mean he didn't want to sit here he doesn't want to lose. I mean, he, he, he is a kid that, yes, it's fun being in the NBA, but he also understands what it's going to take from him to get this team to the next kind of generation and put him, you know, it's his team now. And I think he understands that, and he'll understand that more, especially if Mike Conley gets traded. He will be the one everybody looks to, even though he's probably one of the youngest kids in the room. But he will be the player that everybody looks to to either make a play, make a move, or just in general in the locker room. And again, we're joined here by uh, Locked On Grizzlies host and former 3 and D podcast uh, host Mark King as we wrap up with just a few more questions. So, Mark, again, um, you know, as the season, you know, you mentioned that Jaron really wasn't there. Kyle probably wasn't there uh, due to um, injuries. But one thing that you did get after the All-Star break was you, you, you don't see it. You had a, a very huge roster turnover, and you brought in a lot of guys. Some guys knew each other, although we had, you know, had four or five different Toronto Raptors, um, former Toronto Raptors that were there. But talk about the locker room You know, in March when the Grizzlies were, were playing well. They were playing at an offensive level they haven't played in a while. Was it 
with guys coming together with a camaraderie that, you know, each of them were getting a chance that they hadn't had in a while to, you know, really um, get their careers back on track? Or was it just good personalities together, just a, a bunch of guys who they either knew each other or, or they just they, they got good personalities? Did the locker room atmosphere help the Grizzlies be successful, have their unexpected success that they had in March? Was that a part of it? Well, I mean, I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, you have guys like Avery Bradley who didn't have a, you know, didn't have a probably a good role in, 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 in the Clippers. He comes here and kind of lights it up. You have a lot of those guys who already knew each other, uh, DeLon Wright and, and DJ Miles and Jonas Valanciunas. And Avery. I mean, all those guys, have, you know, were on the Raptors at one point. I played together at one point. I've been teammates before. So that made the transition from, you know, all the trade deadline stuff, that made the transition easier because all of these guys knew each other. And so I think that does have an effect on the court. But also, you know, it's not to be understated the I, – I don't want to disparage Marcus Hall, but it's not to be understated the, the weight of what Marcus Hall meant to this team. And that goes – when I say that, I mean that, you know, Marcus Hall is a guy that – if he could just sit there and make make passes on a basketball court forever, he would. Like, he is the you know in his mind the ultimate game has to be played the right way. If you don't play it the right way, uh, you you know he gets very ang- you know gets very angry, mopey. Um, and it and it was there there was a freshness about the team in the locker room that wasn't there before. Um, and I don't I don't like I said I'm not saying it's Mark's fault or anything like that. But Jonas, I guess Jonas Valanciunas is such a different player than Marcus Hall, different personality than Marcus Hall. Um he's super funny. Like the first guy the first interaction I had with Jonas, we 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 were joking about, you know, he joked to me about trading uh numbers for our beard guys because we both had, you know, hey, you know it's a beard, he asked me for a beard guy's number. Like, you know, like he's a very much a you know a easygoing guy. So I think that probably had a bit of both to deal with it, you know, the locker room, um, knowing each other, getting along right away. There's none of that like two-week chemistry thing where you try to figure out what people are going to be. Um, you know, that, that also helps on the court, knowing what people are going to be, knowing what people are – you know what players are able to do. You know, like Jonas knows what DeLon Wright can do. He's played with it before. So that type of stuff affects what's on the court, but also the other way around. Like like I mentioned, if you're playing well, you know, sometimes maybe you're losing, but you know like you play well and you lost for different reasons or, or help you're just winning the game. I mean, that affects the locker room morale, period. Um, you know, again, like I said before, losing over and over again sucks for everybody. It sucks for the players. It, it, it is frustrating. And so that play on the court, whether you're, you know, if you are losing, but you, you know, maybe understand better why you're losing, or maybe it's really kind of out of your control. Um, you're playing well, but, you know, you know, you take some bad balances. Those type of things um, affect the locker room as well. I mean, so I, I think that probably works both ways in, in far as the way the locker room, you know, changes went down, but also uh, the way they put on the court. And one last question for you, Mark. So, so you, uh, excellent perspective of, you know, several different angles, you know, talking about the different, you know, uh, um, ups and downs of the season, but you know, something else that, you know, going into the summer, everybody knows that on the court, the Grizzlies have got to focus on putting players around Jaron pieces around him to make our you know roster more modernized to be successful. But as we've discussed, fun, it defines him, you know, his personality and things like that. Do you feel beyond what a player or, or like DeLone Wright, you know, and Fallon Shunis, uh, with, with their long-term extensions, you know, coming into play uh, potentially this summer, 
is their personality, their chemistry with Jaron in the locker room, does that play a significant part as well, where if we are going to rebuild, still have players that connect with Jaron to make sure that it's still light in front of the locker room, even if we were to go through a losing spell? Do Does locker room chemistry come into play for the Grizzlies right now when they're trying to get players uh, committed long-term to Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it does. I mean, I, I don't know if it, it that's your ultimate, like, that's what you're thinking about. I'm sure going into rebuild. I'm sure going into rebuild, you're you're really just thinking about, um, you know, what you can trade Mike Conley for. That's what they should be thinking about right now, <laughs> what they can get from Mike Conley. Um, they shouldn't, you know, you, you go out there and you build the best team and you, you kind of work out all the rest. I mean, I, I don't know if, if a lot of that gets into taking account of how this player works with this player. I mean, if you have certain franchise stars, you have LeBron James, you have, you know, even a Mike Conley, they might say, hey, this is the type of player we're bringing in. What do you think? Um, and Jane will get to that stage. You know, there will be a stage where um, every franchise star gets to, every franchise cornerstone gets to, where they say, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this. Uh, this player, what do you think? I mean, and they might get his opinion. Doesn't mean they're going to, they're going to listen to him or they're going to, um, they're going to do it. Uh, but they might get their opinion again. I sort of treat, you know, sort of treat it like the draft. You know, you go out and get the best player you can, no matter what. But you know, no matter what, don't don't care about what you need. You go go out and get the best players available, and you figure the rest out later. And it's the same thing. I mean, you go out and you go out there and you you figure out what you can get from Mike Conley. If you have a draft pick, you draft the best player available. Um, whatever other moves you can make, they're not going to be able to make many this year in free agency uh, beyond maybe a, a few, maybe a mid-level exception. So it, there's not going to be much movement anyway. So you go out and you get the best players you can, whether that's just resign Don Wright or bring Jonas back, and then you just figure the rest out later. And so I think that also comes in play with what coach they hire. That has a lot to do with it as far as you know, their coaching philosophy, the way players kind of get along, because if if, if the coach uh, on the court, has, you know, favors one person versus another, that can affect the way that player views the other player. You know, if anybody's ever played sports before, you know that if the coach likes another person better than you, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not good enough. You know, so that all that has come into play, too. But again, you go out in the summer, you build the best roster you can build with what the tools you're given right now, and you figure the rest out later. And sure, that, you know, that will come. That will come at the end of the summer. That will come as a higher coach. Uh, I don't think that's probably what they're worried about at all right now. And, Mark, just as we wrap up, just a one quick question lightning round. If you were to ask 100 people and you were to put up a picture of you with your beard and Jonas Valanciunas with his beard, do you think the over or under is five of how many would vote for you? Would you take the over or under on five people voting for you? For voting for me, the over or under of five people out of 100? Yes. Well, do I get to pick the hundred people? No, no, that's that's not uh, part of the. Well, that, I was about to, was about to say because I could get I could pick my wife. No, I'm no, sure no you family vote for me. Okay, what? Well, probably zero. I would, I would definitely take the other. There's there's zero people that look at me and look at Jonas Valanciunas and go, he's got a better beard. I, I, it's good. Don't get me wrong, but Jonas has probably got me beat. I think I that know. nine. I mean, people... I, I mean, five people. I mean, it's not it... hard. Five people. Well, you have know. to understand, I think 90 of the 100 people would vote for Jonas just out of fear of voting against him. That's probably true. That, that's not, that, that doesn't take into account the, the, uh, the 
the fear that he strikes in people just the way he looks. Like if he was smiling, <laughs> it might be different. Like if he was like if he was not smiling, like a menace, a hundred people are voting for him. But if he's like maybe smile, I don't know. I probably probably not. I probably have to still go in. I don't I don't think anybody votes. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. That's an experiment. I don't plan on checking out anytime soon. <laughs> Folks, uh, Mark <laughs> from Locked On Grizzlies, definitely check him out. Mark, what is your um, weekly schedule now? Now, are you doing it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? Is that correct? Is that is that the setup right now? Well, we don't really have a schedule just yet. I'm, I'm trying to do two. You know, we try to do two episodes a week right now in the off season. Um, it really just kind of depends, depends on my home life schedule, my my real job schedule. As everybody knows, that follows this podcast. It's not my my day job is a, is a videographer. My Lockdown Grizzlies is something I do on the side, and so it really just depends on my day job and how things work out. But we're trying to do at least two episodes a week. We did three this week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So um, we're doing that um, at least two tw- twice a week. We're trying to do at least one at the beginning, one at the end. So that's the goal. Well, and and do definitely want to suggest uh, definitely checking out Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, Mark does have a lineup of very important things coming up. Uh, you know, looking at the players specifically who are coming up uh, for decisions this summer. Obviously, the latest on the coaching search, also information on the cap. But yeah, I'll tell you this, Mark. When it comes to passion and when it comes to um, just execution of a perspective on the Grizzlies, it doesn't get much better. Mark, if you'll stick around for just a second after we're done here, I just want to catch up with you for a few minutes. But thank you so much for joining us, man. It's it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We'll be right back with you here on the uh, 3ND Podcast. Welcome back to the 3ND Podcast. And we definitely want to thank Mark King for taking the time to talk with us Uh uh, again, Mark uh, has uh, been uh, kind to this show. He's the creator of this show, and uh, uh, through uh, uh, de- development developments for him and his coverage of the Grizzlies, uh, he's moved on to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, and uh, was kind enough to give me and uh, Justin an opportunity to uh, uh, take over this podcast over the past few months. But um, great insight from him. But I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about uh, something that we uh, touched on um, at the beginning of our conversation, and that's the the, the Grizzlies front office. And um, you know, obviously, over the past week, um, we, we we've started to to get kind of a glimpse at, at you know what the Grizzlies front office is up to. And the thing about it is this: is that um, you know everyone wants the immediate gratification of a splashy move and and that that's what you know grizzlies fans especially have have been wanting you know forever you know ever since the chandler parsons signing you know when we when we finally seem to be making a, a move on the level that another nba team would it didn't work out but it, we we just always want to make the the, the the splashy hire. We want to, you know, have that moment where we um, do something that's recognized as being, hey, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's a good move, or that's a high profile move. You know, kind of like the Pelicans did with um, David Griffin. But that's not how Robert Para operates. Robert Para operates on a level of making moves that involve folks that he trusts. And that's fine. You know, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. But with this front office in place, you know, I had mentioned that the right choice um, seemed to be whatever was not 
what was in place. I mean, anything had to be better than, than what was here. And to an extent, that is true. With Chris Wallace um, now out of office, you know, Zach, Jason Wexler and Zach Kleiman in, you know, yes, it was time for a change to be made. Is it the right move? Only time will tell. But with this front office, there there's going to have to be patience. And the reason why is because this front office is really starting from scratch. The re- there's not a precedent, and there's a reason for that. You know, they not only are trying to make the right moves now, but they're trying to establish the right way of making the right moves that they can continue relying on as they make other moves going forward. So the fact that there is not a precedent means that fans and media and things such as that, there's going to have to be patience. I know that's not what anybody likes to hear, but it's the simple truth. For you to be able to have a precedent, you got to have a process in place. That means being proactive. That means, you know, having a plan. No, I'm using a lot of alliteration here with the with words that begin with P, but it makes sense. Um, and, and that's why I think they're going about it the right way. I also like the fact that it seems to be a team effort with folks who bring different perspectives and different strengths to, you know, to the table. <clears throat> it seems now that our front office is basically made up of six people. Um, you've got Jason Wexler, who's over everything, the business and basketball side, Zach Clayman, who is the general manager. Final decisions go through him when it comes to basketball maneuvers. You've got... Um, Glenn uh, Grunfeld and um, uh, Richard Cho, they're basically advisors for claiming they're here not to make the decisions themselves, but to advise and, you know, make sure that the, uh, the, the, the basketball way of doing things occurs correctly. Also here for their connections. Uh, Tayshawn Prince is here for the a perspective from a former player. He's he, he's head of basketball affairs for a reason. You know, not only you know from a front office perspective does this move make sense, but from a former player's perspective or from you know a locker room or how will it work on the court perspective. You've got a first-hand account from Tayshawn. Then Chris Makers is in charge of the you know, scouting department. And that was the one thing over the week that I was encouraged the most about. You know, yeah, Alex Jensen and um, uh, Saronis from uh, Lithuania, they were exciting options to explore with our head coaching job because they were so different from what we had seen in the past, both you know, logically, the reason why we were talking with them, and also because they were outside of the organization. But the thing I was most encouraged about from from reading about Saronis was the um, uh, fact that Tayshawn Prince was the one who had flown to Lithuania to talk with him. The reason I'm encouraged by that, I love the approach. The Grizzlies are sending a former player to be able to talk with him. They're sending a person who could ask the right questions, who can make sure that when they interview coaches... That it's from that part of it is from a player's perspective to make sure it makes sense. JB Bickerstaff was wonderful when it came to having relationships with the players. That's that's what he's been known for for a while, besides being a defensive head coach. But when it come when it came to the tactical approach of the game, when it came to the X's and O's and adding value through strategy to make the Grizzlies have a chance against more talented teams, JB came up short. It's just a simple truth. 
So that's the reason why I'm encouraged uh, by by the focus that they've had on their head coaching uh, search so far. They focus on a coach who can come in and immediately help Jaron because he's got a track record of helping bigs. And they've gone to Europe to look at a coach who has done well at maximizing his team's effort for offense. But taking a step back from the coaching search again, just looking at the front office as a whole, again, it's just preaching patience. They have to set a precedent by being proactive, uh, by, by making sure that they have a plan in place. And again, for the Grizzlies, because of the fact that this is a new beginning, basically, it's not just making moves to make moves. Number one, it's making the right moves. And number two... It's going the right way about making the right moves. Because if you make a move and it appears right, but for some reason it's not, if you went the right way about making that move, it makes it easier to find a replacement. To If stuff goes off course, you can get it back on course. So that's the reason why I'm perfectly fine with not only the, the, the slow burn, I guess you could say, of the front office activity, but also the uh, fact that there's there's not been a lot of information out there. I'm not saying the Grizzlies are operating in secrecy. What I am saying is, is that I think that this front office sees that when it comes to information, the more that they can control, the better chance they have of getting something done that's in their favor. So that's the reason why I, I, I say with this front office, practice patience. Don't determine your opinion of them right now, as Mark stated, but I think it's encouraging that there seems to be a lot more logical sense. This front office seems to be operating in a way that other proven successful front offices in the NBA have operated, and I'm encouraged uh, by what I've heard so far and definitely look forward to seeing uh, what direction we go over the coming weeks. Obviously, uh, NBA playoffs are going on right now. Um, as we stated uh, last week, uh, one thing that me and Justin will uh, touch on uh, once he is back next week is the NBA playoffs. A lot to talk about, uh, not only with teams that are still in it, but also teams that have been eliminated. And for the Grizzlies, obviously everything is is coming up. Um, uh, May 14th is is the probably, arguably the biggest day of this offseason. That is the NBA draft lottery next week. We will um, also touch on that, obviously, as you know, the Grizzlies find out whether their quest to convey uh, worked out or not. But again, a big thank you to Mark King for taking the time to uh, to meet with the, or to talk with us today. Um, you can follow me, Sean Coleman at S T A T S um, S A C on Twitter, um, and you can follow um, you can follow Justin at J underscore Timberfake underscore, and then you can follow the podcast, the Three D Podcast at Three D Pod. On Twitter, a lot of exciting things. Again, definitely um, hoping uh, that there is uh, some more news. And, and, and as we uh, hear anything, we'll be glad to give you perspective on it. But again, Kate, thank you enough for joining us here on the Three D Podcast. Have a great end to your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week right here on the Three D Podcast.